Who are the big winners and losers in 2013? You've got questions. We've got your answers. You're in the right place, folks, because this is where the money is. Welcome to the show. It is a special holiday edition of Where the Money Is, an end-of-the-year edition, if you will. I'm Matt Copenheffer. This right here is David Hansen. David, we're going to run down the best and worst performers or some of the best and worst performers in the financial sector for 2013. Kick us off. What do we got as a, as a top performer to start us? To start off, they've been a top performer in 2013, also top performer in 2012. And forever. 2011, forever. And that's MasterCard. This company has been unbelievable since it's gone public from a stock perspective and also just a business perspective. We recently saw them up the dividend, over 80% increase in the dividend, more share buybacks. A little bit hesitant on the share buybacks because stock's at an all-time high, but it's always at an all-time high almost. The business continues to do well. I'm not a shareholder of MasterCard. I still think that it looks pricey, and I think there are some hurdles and maybe some disruptive forces going on out there. But it's had an unbelievable 2013 from a business and stock perspective. We've gone here many times before, but are you buying MasterCard or Visa going into 2014? I would take Visa. Um, but I've convinced I, you on but it, I don't. I? But I don't think I'm taking either of them. It's just a personal thing. Um, I don't know if I'm interested. What about you? Personal are you doing anything? Are you finally buying one of them? We'll see. We'll see. But as I've said before, I would probably prefer to go with Visa, although I'm not against playing the field and, and just getting the, getting the basket of the mm-hmm. credit card companies right. going that direction. Let's get some bad news. Give me, give me an underperformer. Oh, Realty Income. Realty Income had a rough 2013. Not all that surprising from the perspective that it refers to itself as the monthly dividend company. Yes. Investors have been all about dividend stocks, and there's been a good reason for it because interest rates have been so low. If you want yield, fixed income is not where you're getting it. So there are a lot of uh, investors that have moved further and further out on the risk spectrum, Mm -hmm. and at some point, you bump over on that risk spectrum from fixed income to equity. Uh, Realty income has been a good choice for that, but in 2013, we saw the starting, the glimmer of a change in the interest rate environment. So that hurts uh, dividend-focused companies like Realty Income. Yeah, you're going to At see least it hurts the stock. It doesn't yeah. necessarily hurt the company. Exactly. It hurts, the, it hurts the stock, but the company's doing pretty darn well. Its occupancy rate is over 98%, and kind of the weighted average lease term is almost 11 years. So you might be wondering, okay, that's a really long lease. What are, what's the risk of inflation there? The leases are tied to inflation. So as inflation goes up, they get more rental income from their properties there. So the business is fine. They're the industry leader in kind of the single-tenant REIT space. So, yes, it's been knocked down. The dividend is around 5.5% right now, so which, which, is on, which is on the low end of kind of where they have historically mm-hmm. yielded. But it's a more mature company now. Maybe that dividend yield should come down as risk com- comes down. But the business is doing fine. All right. I'm not going to let you take all of the good news. Okay. So I'm going to jump on the next good news stock. This is Blackstone. Blackstone, the private equity giant, has had quite a 2013, uh, as we can see from that one-year performance there. Uh, We've got nearly a double if we look year over year. Uh, I mean, part of it is just that the the private equity companies got knocked down with the banks during the financial crisis. So you have some of that valuation gap returning. 
But then it's also the business is just coming back. Uh, they're, <clears throat> they're able to borrow again to make these acquisitions. The economy is improving so that they have the opportunity to get some liquidity, realize some of the investments that they've done. We were just talking last week about the giant uh, Hilton IPO. That was a Blackstone-backed company. Blackstone has done quite well with real estate investments in particular, and that was that was one of them. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it getting knocked down in the financial crisis. This is a company that's not just going to go away overnight. They're in tons of different markets, real estate, international. They're doing all of this. They're passing income through through dividends. I think this is a company that's going to be around for a very, very long time. Challenge again going into 2014. Blackstone had the big, biggest uh, 2013 KKR. Carlisle mm-hmm. both did well in 2013 as well. Which one of those three would you buy going into 2014? Blackstone's had the good run, but I would stick with the leader here. I think they're going to be in whatever they're need, they need to be in to make a return for, for, for their investors, which will then lead to fees for them. So I would stick with Blackstone. All right. Give us the next laggard here. The next laggard, got a group of them here, and this is the hybrid mortgage REITs. And we're going to talk about the agency-only mortgage REITs a little bit later. These are the REITs that invest in agency mortgage-backed securities backed by Fannie and Freddie, but also venture into the non-agency, kind of just those private label mortgage-backed securities that everyone gets scared about. And these are companies like Two Harbors. It's down 18%. Invesco Mortgage Capital, which is trying to move more towards this hybrid model, down 24%. It's not as bad as the agencies that we'll talk about a little bit later. Still not good. Uh, but They still do have a lot of agency uh, securities on their books. But they have their hands in a bunch of different areas, whether it be non-agency, securitization, mortgage servicing rights. A company like Two Harbors is in all of this stuff. Um, so they haven't been hurt quite as bad. Still, the pain from kind of just dividend stocks being sold off. But I think when you look across the, the REIT space, this is one that maybe has some, some positive vibes to it. Thinking about the, this, this grouping... I think that there's a little bit more opportunity here from the perspective that the, the, the managers here, the executives, the, the investors have more opportunity to allocate capital in multiple different directions. Uh, as we talked about with Realty Income just a minute ago, the, the fact that these are huge dividend payers, mm-hmm. they're going to get hurt from a stock perspective. Again, this doesn't necessarily hurt the business, but from a stock perspective, when interest rates go up because... Uh, investors will have other opportunities to get uh, yield elsewhere. Absolutely. What's the next winner, David? I know you. I know. I know you're ready to gloat about this one. Can I, I take a victory re- lap? Uh, take, going, take, take your microphone off first. <laughs> going with Evercore. They were up 93 percent. Again, almost a double. This is a small investment bank that I've been a fan of on the show. They're a very small player in the industry. Only a couple billion in market cap. Revenue continues to grow. That's what you want to look for at Evercore. Are they continuing to win business? They have been. Yes, the valuations creeped up as well this year, but I think it's justified. I think they're an up-and-comer in the space. So I think it's a justified year. I think there could be more runway for Evercore. Okay, now that you've essentially become part of the Evercore PR team. Yes, yes, I just received my first paycheck. At what point (laughs) do you actually buy it for your own portfolio? We'll see. Um... And it's I know on that sounds radar. judgmental, but I've been there with plenty of other companies. Right. Um, still haven't been able to put in the full amount of research that I like to do before I buy a stock. So it's on the radar. I really like what they've been doing. Once I get a little bit more comfortable with the financials, with the management team, maybe I'll pull the trigger. What is the key part of your research? What, what is the number one? If, if you only did one part of your research, what, what would it be? 
I think you have to look at management and where they want to take the company. Where do they see the opportunity? Is it international or do they want to focus on being a domestic investment bank that wins deals over the big guys like J.P. Morgan at Bank of America? Okay, back to a, back to a bummer group. We've got those agency <laughs> mortgage REITs that we hinted at earlier. Of course, Annaly Capital, American Capital Agency at the lead of the pack mm-hmm. here. It's, it's a similar story as we were talking about with the, with the um, hybrid REITs the hybrid mortgage REITs, but basically the, the volatility in the market and the rising interest rates, it hurts the portfolios that they have on, that, that they're holding. Mm-hmm. So it hurts those portfolios, taking losses on those portfolios. And at the same time, it makes for a, a, a very difficult environment for these investors to, to navigate. And frankly, uh, Annalise's CEO, Wellington Denahan, has not pulled any punches in expressing her frustration at the Fed yes. and, and, at the, and at the current environment, it just makes it very difficult. And again, I'll, I'll mention this one more time, that from a stock perspective, as interest rates rise and investors have more opportunity to get yield elsewhere, big yielders, big dividend companies like this will get hurt from the stock. Yep, and the, the one other factor that's impacting these is they're bringing in less income from the securities Hence, we've gotten some dividend cuts, which investors do not like to see. They're no, going they to reprice the stock a little bit um, and make the yield appropriate after the dividend cuts. So, yeah, like you mentioned, Annalie down big. Also, Armor and CYS, which are also 100%, essentially 100% agency portfolios, not having a good year. But maybe 2014 is a bright spot. Maybe. We'll see. Do you, do you, really, do you believe that? I don't think it'll be a bright spot, but uh, <laughs> I, think, I think there's a lot of pessimism into the valuations here. Um, so maybe, maybe they'll have a better 2014. Maybe. I'm going I'm to go ahead and let you take this next winner. The next winner is Zillow. I've talked about this, and I am a shareholder, full disclosure. It's had a good year, up over 180%. A lot of that has been because Zillow's business is performing very well. We see them get more real estate agents on the platform, more eyeballs coming to the site. So the business is doing well, but the valuation has also had a pretty crazy rise. Started the year at around eight times revenue, now sits at around 16 times revenue. So the expectations have increased for Zillow. I think that's warranted, though. For comparison, Trulia trades at eight times revenue, 16 times versus 18 times. That's a big discrepancy. But Zillow is the market leader by far. They're continuing to gain market share. It's not just on their website. They have their hands in everything real estate, whether it's real estate data, economics of it. They're in the, the Fannie and Freddie talks. They're facilitating talks there. So they're really becoming a real estate brand, which I think justifies that higher valuation. Got nothing to add. You've, <laughs> you've cover, covered that one. So I'll just move on to one of the biggest losers of the year, also one of generally the most volatile uh, problem children of the, of the financial sector. And it doesn't even come from the U.S. This is National Bank of Greece. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's not a curiosity why this stock has done so bad. The bank has done poorly. But banks are a, they're, they're leveraged to their home economy. And the Greek economy has not been uh, a pleasant, a pretty picture. Uh, there have been some glimmers more recently that, 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 that the economy is starting to turn. There's been some positive comments about the banks. National Bank of Greece has gotten some, some positive attention. So maybe the situation is about to turn around. Um, in the meantime, National Bank of Greece has managed to stay afloat, mm-hmm. but it hasn't been a pretty picture for shareholders. And 
I, I'm just not sure that it's the kind of situation that I want to jump in on. Although, I mean, you could say that that you can't get, you can't find. It, it would be difficult to find a more pessimistic situation. Right. I think a lot of people look at it and say, "Well, this sounds awfully similar to what people were saying about U.S. banks it, in I, 2009." I, I think that's very possible. I think we could see National Bank of Greece have better capital ratios, slowly work its way back, but don't say this is the exact same thing as U.S. banks. Like yeah. you said, the economy that it's tied to is very different. So if you're interested in it, maybe it's a turnaround candidate, but do your own research. Make, see, make sure you really understand what's going on over there. It's not the same thing as a Citigroup turning around. If you're not, yeah, not going to do that extensive amount of research, particularly on something like this, might as well head off. Morgan just said this the other day. Might as well head off to Vegas. At least exactly. you'll get free drinks. Yes. And finishing off, we've got Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Those common shares have just had a torrid. Do we have a, a Do you have a graph for that? I don't think we even have a graph because oh, it's yeah, over the, the counter. Yeah, it's over the counter. Our machine right. doesn't even work for Fannie and even, Freddie, but Fannie is up almost a thousand percent. Freddie's a little bit further behind at a nine hundred percent. So Freddie is lagging significantly. And we have not been positive on these throughout that massive run. Is it time for us to change our tune, David? I'm not changing my tune from a stockholder's perspective. From a business, it makes sense. The business is doing well of Fannie and Freddie. Yes, there's a lot of government hand in that, uh, but there's been a lot of releasing reserves. That's helped earnings this year. They've increased the fees that they charge on guaranteed mortgages. That has revenue rolling in. Uh, So the business, yeah, are, are making a ton of money, but shareholders are still not getting any of that. It's really more of a political fight. If you believe in the uh, the political fight and the legal system that maybe you get some recourse there through the legal system, maybe it's a winner. It's not one I'm interested in, and I can't imagine you are either. I, I'm not. It's, just, it's hard for me to to look at this situation where the president is saying that he wants to restructure the government's role in the housing market and wind down Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and Congress agrees with him. When does that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not that's not the kind of situation that that I want to be involved in. That's going to let me sleep well at night, or th- that I that I think has a, a good opportunity for for me to find a winner here. Obviously, over the past year, they've been big winners, but uh, it's a it's a long game here that we think about. So yeah, it's a great stock if you want to day trade. That's not something we advocate here. I think there are a lot of good companies you want to hold for decades and this just doesn't fit the bill. And and I will say it's it's completely possible that I'm wrong and wrong from the perspective that that the important I, I think the key note here is the probability that you place on these companies getting put back in private hands versus them getting wound down and common shareholders not getting anything. So you have to consider that the probability of those two situations happening because there is there's there's definite real value in these companies mm-hmm. if they get put back in private hands. Um, but depending on how you value out those probabilities, that's how you got to think about this. I'm putting a very large probability on common shareholders not getting anything. And I think that's the, mar- the market is too. You look at what the valuation is if you want to try to value these based on kind of the gobs of money they're earning, the billions of dollars in profits they're earning. It's obviously a low valuation because the market is placing a pretty low probability on those ever being worth anything. Okay, so in wrapping up here, in wrapping up, I've challenged you a few times on what you're buying going into 2014. Mm-hmm. As you look down this list, if you were to buy one of these one of these companies for 2014, which one would it be? An up or a down, or either a- one. Either one. I'll stick with I'll stick with my Evercore pick. What do you say? Yeah, 
Yep. I'd probably go MasterCard. Okay. I like the I like the credit card business, uh, even though I do not own one yet. So. And what about the worst? Just give me one that you're putting on your radar. You don't even have to go buy it. Just one of the underperformers that you have on your radar. Underperformer on my radar. Or none. You can say none. It's okay. I, I would consider the the looking at the, the broad hybrid REITs okay. uh, sector. Fair enough. How about you? I'll go with Realty Income. Like I said, the business is still doing well. It's been smacked because of the environment, but the underlying business is still there. All right. Well, that wraps it up for us. That is your best and worst of 2013. Again, I'm Matt Copenheffer. This is David Hansen. Our email address, WTMI at fool.com. Shoot us an email. We're on Twitter, at TMF Financials. Uh, that's it for us. We'll see you again soon. People on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear.